not fear. Fear is the mind killer. My Lord Duke. Where the fear is gone, only I will remain. Hey Finn. How's it going, Yuka? Uh, I'm just trucking along. Um, just getting through life. Yeah. Now, I have... You know, right now, you look like someone who's just finished watching seven hours of movies. <laughs> Describe that. Describe that. for the. This is an audio medium. Uh, for the for the listeners at home. So your face has gone sort of like ashen pale. <laughs> and uh, all of your hair is standing straight up on end. And, uh, oh, no, 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 just all fell out at once. It's all gone. <laughs> You're like um, Lex Luthor now. Uh, I do, I do frequently look like uh, Lex, Lex Luthor. I'm at a bad haircut stage. Uh, for listeners at home, my haircut protocol is that I'll get a haircut and then let it grow out for three to six years <laughs> until it's about just past shoulder length. And I'll often have it up in um, what I like to call a bun man. Or a like bow, like in the animated short bow. Yeah. Um, and, and people think that's like a choice I've made. That that's like I want this to be part of my aesthetic. Yeah. And like, it's not that I've made a choice to do that. It's, it's that, that you haven't made a choice to not do it. it it's the every day where I'm like, I just should go get a haircut. I'm like, do you know what I could do instead of getting a haircut? Anything else. I could just watch uh, YouTube videos of like rich white American men review camera lenses and there'll be things like, yeah, getting the getting this like a Nut Deluxe F.95. You know, it's a bit expensive at $20,000, but the open stop, you can shoot anything. It merely means that you can really capture the moments <laughs> that are important to you. And then they show their sample photos and they are like, them alone at a beach, <laughs> them walking through a park, a scared looking woman from the distance. <laughs> And it just feels, it's exactly the same. I'm, I may have talked on here before, I've definitely talked publicly before, about how one of the strangest emotions I feel is because I'm, I'm a pen fan. I like, mm -hmm. I like knowing about pens, but there's a lot of like ink and pen reviews, which are quite rich men in alone in big, they're big, mansion dining rooms being like so the nib on this is gold and it's got a slight italic tilt which is nice gives a good curve but then they'll go to write and they don't know what to write and that very specific thing fills me with a profound sadness uh it's very much the same when people are like this like a q2 monochrome a ten thousand new zealand dollar camera which has a fixed focal length lens, so you can't zoom, <laughs> and cannot take color images, which, if Leica are listening and want to sponsor the podcast, I'd do it for a Q2. I will mention Leica, Leica cameras, which are good. Don't, don't okay, don't, don't, don't start too early. Um, I'm not, I'm just putting the offer out there. We absolutely both know how this went with, with the worst idea of all time, Blaze Pizza. Ah, uh, yeah, pay the boys, etc., uh, uh, etc., Etc. Um, uh, uh, but no, that that's what I would rather do than uh, get a haircut. But 
Now, um, and recently I had to lock myself in my house for reasons uh, that were mysterious to me at the time. Um, oh, it, I thought you just did it as, as like a bit. Oh, yeah. I was like, I'm going to lock down, not to spread COVID, but it was it was entirely a bit. Yeah, I, I thought you were doing like like a David Blaine thing. Just like, I'm going to see how long I can stay inside this this house. And then the rest of the country and then some parts of the world joined in. Yeah, I, I, I thought that was rude when they all ripped off your bit. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it happens, you know, it's it's what you were doing at first and then everyone else started doing it. It's like, who, who are these people? Name redacted. <laughs> But so during this, uh, what I termed lockdown, a lot of people picked up on, I gave myself a lockdown haircut, which if you don't know what that's like, you get up one day, you look in the mirror and think, fuck, I'd like to feel something again. Yeah. I grew myself a lockdown beard, which <laughs> I then got rid of. My lockdown beard's name is Briar. Um, <laughs> and I got it quite short, which is like fine, because that's just like a nondescript aesthetic addition to yep. people. But because my hair is quite fine, the longer it grows, yeah, it, it blows my mind. It, it, <laughs> it, it sticks up, as you can see. Mm. Like, either I've just heard something quite shocking, or I'm just Jimmy Neutron. And it, it do, t- do you ever think about that song? And you're like, <laughs> fine in mind, do not rhyme. <laughs> I mean, there's so, like, of all the songs to pick on for not rhyming, I wouldn't put that at the top like, of the, the list. This one says, vote, like, this one tries to rhyme those two words so many times. Yeah, yeah. Like, it it yeah. really insists on the idea of it, but fine and mind rhyme. Yeah. I, you're not, I don't disagree with you. The flop point of my hair, where it starts to fall and I begin to look a bit like someone is misremembering both Hugh Grant and Prince William at the same time. <laughs> is So I'm just stuck with sticky up, like, what I'd call uh, at best douche hair and at worst like devil's ad, let me play devil's advocate here. Now I noticed that you didn't, I have a question to ask you about your appearance. Do you have gray or blue eyes? Oh, I have blue eyes. And so that makes us both qualified, I think, because we talk a lot of things here on Shite and Sound. My name's Yutha Shite. My name is Finn Sound Nicholas. Yeah, we're Sound. We're a podcast, we just guys any situation that comes up yeah but i think that part of acknowledging privilege is speaking to the places that you do have status and speaking within your own community and commenting on the work that represents your community and i think we've been letting this side down by not really talking about the the issues and representation of people with blue eyes in the world so to start that out, I thought we should start with the two most famous kinematic expressions of blue-eyedness. One of his, of course, old Pedro Tool is Lawrence of Arabia in, um, I believe it's called T.E. Lawrence. And the other is, when you think blue eyes, I think, of course, of Denise Villeneuve's <laughs> new film, June, which we just good, good, good job doing the same joke two episodes in a row. Uh, I want you to know now that I, when I made that joke, I was like, I'm committing to this. <laughs> we watched a very early cut, a very early cut, yeah, from from 1984. That's how early yeah. the cut is. Well, it's actually a slightly later cut because it was the TV cut of the 1984 cut of Denise Villeneuve's June. It's the yeah, one so this cut that we watched of David Lynch's June. It's not actually directed well, it's, by it's, it's, yeah. It's not uh, actually directed by David Lynch. Uh, he, he of course directed the, the theatrical version. This extended cut is credited uh, to 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 a man named Alan Smithy. Um, Every year that Alan Smithy 
isn't on the blank check March Madness. Yeah. Fuck, that is actually That's a, a good, good idea. idea. Okay, anyway. So, for people who don't know, Ellen Smithy was a... Uh, a prolific was... filmmaker. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I've seen a, a few of his works, yep. but uh, I, I have to say, just You're from... usually not very good. I'm surprised he let his name beyond them that, yeah. that's my take on Alan Smith I've never seen an interview with him and he often seems to take over films quite L- at the, late at the process, last yeah. minute yeah so when da- yeah David Lynch was credited on the the 1984 cut of Denis Villeneuve's Dune <laughs> please it is Denis Villeneuve's Frank Herbert's David Lynch's Dune <laughs> But no, but Frank Herbert's Dune is the sci-fi series. Right. Yeah, it is. Sorry, no, is the sci-fi series cut. Yep. <laughs> okay, so anyway, Alan Smithy is a now-retired pseudonym used, used by v- the Directors Guild of America. Okay. Uh, for basically... Like the Spaces Guild? <laughs> yeah, yes, it's, uh, it's like the Spaces Guild or the Benny Gesserit. It was a name used for, for when a director didn't want their name on a movie. And was able to successfully petition the Directors Guild to have their name removed from a movie. And Alan Smithy was, was the name that, that was put on the movie in, in place. And that, 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 that pseudonym has now been retired for, for some reason. Because it became too well known. The uh, right, whole point right, yes, was, yes. was that people wouldn't know. Yeah. And like the irony is, is like the major step in the public becoming aware of it was the film Burn Hollywood Burn, right, yeah, an Alan Smithy film that went so just, bad. I was just about to mention, oh. yeah. Which was a, a film that someone made about a film that gets Alan Smithied. And then the, the director ends up hating the film so much that he, Alan Smithied himself. Yeah. Uh, which is a, a pretty amazing thing. Cool. Um, yeah, so that's my intro. Let's talk about those two films through the lens of people having blue eyes. People <laughs> <and laughs> having blue eyes. Hello and welcome to Shite and Sound, a podcast where two comedians watch one of the masterpieces of world cinema and then fold up with a critically reviled film that is similar in some way. Maybe they share themes, plot, actors, or director... We want to see if counterpointing these two films can bring out some new information or insights. On this episode, we're watching number 84 on the Sight and Sound list, Lawrence of Arabia. David Lean's four-hour extravaganza of a dude going crazy in a desert. And our second film this week is Dune, Ellen Smithy's borderline incomprehensible story about how if you take enough magic worm drugs, you too can become a gross telepathic fish man. I do kind of want to be a gross telepathic fish man. I mean, like there, there are absolutely worse fates in life. Go name three. Uh, a, a, a gross fish man who isn't telepathic. Oh man, you're right. So the shape of water. Eyes kind of uh, telepatho. Yeah, and he's but like he's also not gross. Like he's that's like a hot fish man. Second worst fate in life uh, to be a character in any Coen Brothers movie. <laughs> Maybe Hail Caesar. Some people are having a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Catherine Zeta-Jones in Intolerable Cruelty, maybe? Sure, but she's like a deeply broken and empty human being. Yeah, and uh, future cancer Like, if, if there is anything, like, if that film works at all, it's on the level of, like, the whole film is making fun of both her and Clooney for being gross venal morons. Yeah. But, um... But I... Uh, 
but I want to be a gross venal moron. See, I, I don't. <laughs> kind of my dream life would be to somewhat be someone who can just work incredibly hard on their appearance. Yeah, you, you, and you, not you, worry you, about like the coming eschaton. Like you, 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 like all, all you want to do is be hedonism bot. I do really <laughs> want to be hedonism bot. Like of all the robots, I think. Yeah, no. I mean, who else is there who would actually have fun as a robot? I mean, Bender. Bender, yeah. Um, whereas, like, I, I've, I've no interest in being a hedonism bot. I'd, I'd much rather be like Marvin <laughs> from Hitchhiker's Guide. The, 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 okay, so I, I'd, I'd much rather be a clinically depressed robot yeah. than a robot that's having a great time, but is also like ignorant. I guess my goal in life is to never aspire to be something that Radiohead would name a song after. <laughs> so, so. Lawrence of Arabia, it's a big film on every front, I would yep. say. It's Loomis, it's Sam Loomis, large. Every shot of this film you kind of recognize. And oh, I thought I'd recognize a lot more of a the shot. There's a few of them where, like, that's one of the yeah. iconic shots. Yeah. But for so much of it, I was like, yeah, I, I, have, I have no, like, cultural reference. I, I guess it's worth explaining that I this was not my first uh, visit to Lawrence, yep. but you were you were making your first uh, stop by. I, I, I was. Lawrence of Arabia, in the cultural consciousness, is a set of pictures, really. Yeah. And not really a story. And I'm like, am I about to argue that that's also true of the film? Yes. But like, what did you think Lawrence of Arabia was before you saw it? I mean, I I I I knew in broad strokes it was yeah. about a like about an English uh, it was about an English officer. Who is in? Who is in Arabia working with like bit working with working with with uh, working with with Bedouin tribes, yeah. and they're doing some war stuff. Mm. I knew that it was like an adventure movie at the beginning, and turns into more of a war movie later on. Yeah, yeah. and I, I knew that Peter O'Toole was in it, and I knew that everyone liked his performance. Do you like his? My problem is like it, it took me a while into, into the movie to like actually notice it. Yeah, because like especially in the he's like, a fucking supporting lead in this. Yeah, film, yeah, right. Like, yeah. Especially in the first half, like his performance does not insist on itself at all. It is such an atypical performance for for this type of movie that you kind of like don't notice it. Well, especially because because which, which isn't to say it's it's bad. Yeah, but it's, it's like it, it's it's not what I was what I was expecting to see. It took me a while to kind of like cal- calibrate to 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 what he was doing. Well, especially because there are two credited writers on the version we saw. Right. One of whom was originally not credited. And uh, I believe as Michael Wilson is the one who used to not be credited. Both of my middle names. <laughs> so your middle names are also the names of one of the two head producers of the Bond films. Right. Uh, if your middle middle name is G. No, my, my middle middle name is Sound. <laughs> Sorry. Finn, Finn Michael Sound Wilson Nicholas. <laughs> That seems like um, people listing the names uh, of the fellow members of the gang they're in. Oh, come on, it's, it's me, Finn. Over here, we got Michael. Hey. Sound. Hello. Yeah. No, it, Wilson, it's, it's the ball it's, from it's Castaway. Just, it's just like in a brighter summer day. You know, you, you, you got your underpants, you got airplane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got a double bubble, um, Tony Two Hats, <laughs> Crispin Glove Hurt. <laughs> Tony Two But... <laughs> What happened? Um, is the oh, yeah. yeah. So the other names in the brighter summer day, in case anyone's <laughs> forgotten, are Sly, Sex Bomb, Underpants, Honey, Cat, Airplane, 
Oh, such good names. Yeah. Flubber. Flubber. Robin Williams. The Flantastic Four. Good morning, Vietnam. <laughs> the genie from Aladdin. Aladdin sane. Aladdin out sane. <laughs> Who let the dogs Aladdin sane? <laughs> but uh, Lean brought in, possibly during shooting or just before shooting, Michael Wilson, the second screenwriter, not to restructure the film, but to refocus it on Lawrence as a character. And so like the general line is that all of the scenes and characters and like the order, the plot occurs and as the original writer whose name I can't remember. And if I look it up on my phone, the interference will be called on the Let's call him Stephen Gagan. And of course it's adapted from T. Lawrence's writings uh, himself. Uh, From from the book, Lady Chatterley's Lover. (laughs) But um, but that Michael Wilson essentially wrote all the dialogue, uh, and with the idea that it was focusing more on character. But that just seems so bizarre to me because I it, I kind of feel like there aren't characters in this film. Every, every character is kind of representational and speaks to is speaking for their whole class or 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 in some cases their whole race. And that that Lawrence is especially not really so much a man as to begin with to be an audience surrogate uh, is that he's there to meet these people uh, and then become more and more invested uh, in their struggle until he's leading their struggle against the wishes of those in command to him, which is kind of like the trick the film plays on you as an audience member is that you're like, ah, yeah, this is a war film, World War One, hooray, who is this guy? And then as you get more into it, you're like, no, 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 fuck him. Do you understand what I, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think at, at the beginning of a film, it, I'd say like it, it does do do a feel good job at, at the beginning of showing like who this guy is and how he is feels like very like different from all, all the other like English soldiers around him. Yeah, and how he doesn't fit in to the, the normal like, hierarchies of the British Army. I think it does that well. And when you're making a film with, with this many characters. Yeah, it, it, it's it's hard to like. Although I don't know, like I was gonna say, it's hard to like do, define everyone really well. But also, we watched *Bride of Summer* day a while ago, which has probably the, the same amount of characters and is also four hours long. Yeah, and like does a brilliant job of defining everyone. But but, but *A Bride of Summer* day is in many ways the opposite of this, in that it is uh, uh, telling a larger story by looking very closely yeah. at like the intricate contours of kind of one moment and everything, the reverse ripples building out of that. Whereas this is kind of very much. Well, it's doing the thing is that it's trying to speak to a big moral or thematic question yeah. about why we fight and who we fight for, um, but by focusing on well, one big story, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I don't, and so it is, it, it, it's looking, it, its scope is obviously like much wider. And, and so the characters kind of get lost in that, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I just mm. think it is interesting that almost every stated creative aim for this film that David Lean seems to have made. I just like, not only am I like, I, it's not that I disagree with him. It's mm. that I'm like, you didn't, you just did not make that <laughs> film at all, mate. Like, and I think there is the interesting thing of like this film, we watched the recent restoration hooray hooray yeah. newsflash Lawrence of Arabia looks fucking great guys 
Yeah, any cine- do, you, do you like landscapes? W- 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 welcome. It's got some fucking landscapes. To watch Mojo's top <laughs> 10 cinematography moments in film. Oh. Number 10, the bit in Universal Soldier, Dev Reckoning, where <laughs> yeah. Jean-Claude Van Damme reaches through the mirror. <laughs> number, number nine, a Roger Deakins shot. <laughs> number eight, a Roger Deakins shot. Number seven, that bit from Assassination of Jesse James. Number six, Six, a Roger Deakins show. All the way up to number one, Lawrence of... I've just recently... Uh, YouTube has been recommending me a lot, a YouTube channel whose name I can't remember, that's like top ten acting performances of all time. And uh, like, can you guess... Can you guess what a shit YouTube channel calls like the best ten... It's the best ten moments of acting ever. Uh, is Okay. Uh, did, did, did the video come out this year? There have been several. Okay, but is is one of them Joaquin Phoenix and Joker? Yes. Uh, yeah, um, but it's like uh, it's Joaquin Phoenix and Joker, McConaughey crying, and Interstellar. It is no. all just the most acting. Oh, now, and which position did they put Gina Rollins in? A woman under the influence. At? <laughs> can't, I can't remember. I, I skipped through it because, of course, the algorithm works, and I clicked on it to to mock it. Two different clips of uh, Heath Ledger's Joker as well, of mm-hmm. course. Um, the best acting performance of all time is said by people who've only ever seen one acting <laughs> performance. No, that sounds like I don't like it. It it's just anyway. I mean, it's it's probably the the best performance in in like a comic book movie. I think. Toby uh, Maguire uh, does do that dance, though. Yeah, and look, I, I know, I know you really love Ant Man and the Wasp. <laughs> I, I, I do really you, love Ant Man and the Wasp. Yeah, My, like I, I like Michael Pena in the Ant Man films. Yeah. Oh no, but like, there's no, there are no good performance. There are no good performances. There are no bad performances in Marvel films. Y- yeah, you know? they're just all teal and gold. Yeah, um, but. The the interesting thing about how beautiful Lawrence of Arabia is is that it 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 is so obviously a choice of a film that looks fucking incredible, but it doesn't. Like I I rewatched Jaws recently as I was mm. telling you about, and it does feel weird watching Jaws because you're like, this just looks like every film, and then you're like, oh no, every every summer blockbuster looks like this because this is because they want to look a bit like Jaws. Yeah. Whereas it is hard to think of, like, there are so many things that are clearly influenced by Lawrence of Arabia, but nothing, still nothing looks quite like it. And no. that's because they don't have literally hundreds of people raking sand so yeah. that they can shoot it in Superpan and Vision like minutes. Two years in a desert. <laughs> yeah. Hey, a year and a half. Okay. Let's be nice. And it was several deserts. Um, on uh, the recent restoration, which is the th- the three and a three and three quarters hours yeah. cut, it's, it's it's three and a half if you take out the intermissal and end credits. The intermissal. Intermission. No, the intermissal. When that's how you say it. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I've always said it. No one's ever corrected me, and I refuse to be corrected now. But which is it kind of in its most complete form, but it was cut down a lot, including kind of voluntarily by David Lean. I mean, the irony of David Lean making this film is, it's not a Lean film. No. Um, but everything he cut was 
largely, I understand, from the second half of the film, from the war film, as opposed yeah. to the kind of atmospheric adventure film that the first half is, which is just absolutely not where I would cut things from this film. Because we have this, we have, we, let, let's just, you know, do you know what we should do on Shine and Sound Fan? What should we do on Shine and Sound? Let's talk about the plot of Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> Woo! So there's this guy, and he's blonde. Yeah, and he has blue eyes. How how blue are these eyes? Oh man, they is are. Is this guy a spice user? Is a, he uh, a contestant whose name I cannot remember on the first season of The Great Kiwi Bake Off? Because those are blue eyes. Is 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 this guy a Velvet Underground song? Because he's got pale blue eyes. Is they're not really pale. But... Is this a man with pornographic oculuses? Because those are blue eyes. Is this guy a Velvet Underground song? Because he's Sister Ray. <laughs> Is this guy a Velvet Underground song? Because uh, honestly, with the passage of time and the more we learn about the controversial views of the people behind it, the more it, uh, the harder it is to enjoy sincerely and uh, uncomplicatedly. Well, I mean, look, there's only one album that Nico's on. Yeah. So you you can you can choose with more better if you want. Although that album uh, still still great. Been listening to to the song Black Angel's Death Song a whole lot recently. Yeah, uh, fucking rules. But um, <laughs> I've recently gone really into the song Murder Mystery, the closing yep. track from her third album, uh, which has which has which has which has four different people uh, speaking at once throughout the entire eight minute long song. Oh yeah, yeah. like all good music. Yeah. I will only listen to music that, that contains that. Yeah, and you, you can't tell anyone saying it. it's so good. <laughs> I love it. Um, so yeah, we start this. Oh. This blue-eyed boy, he 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 he's a bit he's a bit kooky. Do, do, doesn't totally fit in. He's a bit of a Zoe Deschanel of <laughs> of, of English officers. Um, and he he's pranking about, and he's like, "Do you know what I should do? I have seen these horseless <laughs> bicycles, these horseless carriages, two wheels." Why not I get on one? All right, we're beer. <laughs> Put on some yeah. goggles that will make me look like uh, an insect, <laughs> and and just maybe go have a bit of a crash. Yeah, that's right. The movie opens with the star dying yeah. in a motorcycle crash. Well, no, actually, what happens is that as he's going towards the tree, the film frame <laughs> freezes. There's a record scratch, and he says, "Yeah, that's right. Well, that's me." <laughs> I bet you're wondering how I got in this situation. Well, well it all started in Arabia. <laughs> My name. And then the screen goes all like wobbly, <laughs> and he's like, Ooh, kind of sort of music, and then, uh, then he's back in Arabia. And he goes, "Hey, my name's Lawrence of Arabia." The title card comes up, and he goes like. Heh. But my friends call me Larry, and so then like a, it's like a can and of then, spray then, paint is on the screen. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was gonna say Vince, it's like we're bogus, and Vince's bogus, and it just smashes through the Lawrence. Oh, and, and, then, and then, like, the, 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 the appearance, you know, like, the, 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 then, then the, like, funk music soundtrack kicks in, and there's just lots of, like, slap bass, and then you, you get, you get some, some real funky <laughs> scenes of, of, of the, the, the British army in, in Cairo. But, but that was the pre-restoration version. We watched the post-restoration version. Um, and so we then cut to his funeral, where, um, a lot of people, I, like, what do you see as your plans for your funeral? Uh, there's there's going to be a lot of Nick Cave playing. <laughs> oh my god! Like like actually him. Oh, like uh, like 
I, I love Nick Cave, but hopefully he'll be dead before I die. Oh, whoa, you heard it here first. Nick Cave. Uh, you you better, you Nick better Cave. watch out. Um, you know, if, 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 Nick, hey, hey, Nick, if, if, if I ever... If you ever go get a call from a Finn Nicholas for for a Make a Wish thing, <laughs> just I'm taking you with me, mate. That, okay, here is Blumhouse. Are you listening? <laughs> uh, it's called. Uh, here's my pitch. It's called Make a Wish, and it is about a kid whose last wish is to kill someone. Like that's actually a good idea. Yeah, I can I can make it for under five million dollars. I think. Um, obviously, Samara Weaving has to be in it, yep. and so I think she'll be the corrupt head of of of, of the Make a Wish Foundation. Right, and it will end with uh, let's. How cheap do you think Kid from Rumors? Oh, oh, he's going to be pulling down at least a million dollars these days. Uh, okay, uh, 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 after his book of Henry was such a big hit. What uh, are uh, Tremblay? What yeah. about um? What about Henry from Book of Henry? What do you think he's costing these days? Oh, I mean, I'd say he's probably pulling down less for Tremblay. Oh, okay. But But let's say, do you not want to see a film where the third act is him with a crossbow hunting, let's say, Danny DeVito through a jungle? Uh, Yes, I do want to see that. (laughs) That'd be great. Yeah, and just while we're on the subject, I'd I'd like to pitch my Blumhouse movie. Yeah. Which is... um, it's uh, a gritty reboot of Fantasy Island. Well, no, it, it's a movie about a person who kills people by vomiting into their mouths. And it's called The Purge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the sequel uh, uh, is when you spend 12 months vo- killing people by vomiting onto the index. And it's called <laughs> The Purge Erection Year. <laughs> <laughs> And then good, someone tries good. someone tries to kill you with boxing gloves that vomit, and, and it's called the fist purge. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Uh, but just in case Michael, anyone hasn't noticed yet, we think we're very funny. <laughs> but I think we are funny. Yeah, no, same. I, I can't same. Believe, I can't believe you just said, we think we're so funny. And I was like, yeah, but we are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> But what I want at my funeral, oh, yeah. inspired by Lawrence of Arabia, is I want to make sure that everyone afterwards speaks in very blank, clear statements of facts about me as if it is an establishing character scene of a film. Because I Lawrence of Arabia, good. Is its dialogue good? No, shmoo. Um, <laughs> but they are like, ah, yes, T. Lawrence. The man who just died. Lawrence the man, of, the myth, the legend. The Lawrence you know, of Arabia, they, they call miss him. miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Uh, and you know, you know, he worked with... If you with, can't play the big <laughs> dogs, you sit on the porch. He helped them fight the, the Ottoman Empire during World War One, which was in the past from our perspective. Just, did he like camels? Oh, you betcha he liked camels. And then a general... You'd ride a camel from dawn till dusk. And you know what? The dawn and the dusk, they'd look pretty much the same, because they're both shot during the day. And then um, a journalist shows up and speaks to a general, and the journalist is like, I'm, I'm just a journalist who just met him once, but we hey, had a guy, I'm from America. <laughs> now, see? Um, uh, and the general is like, well, I only knew him twice. And you're just like, in retreat, you're just like, 
you're basically inserting spoilers for your coming film um, uh, at this point. But then very quickly, we go back. We're, we're in Egypt. There's one thing that, that I really like in the funeral sequence, which is when, um, yeah. after the journalist finishes talking to, to one person who's just like only spoken about him in, in, in glowing terms, the journalist walks away, and the guy who uh, I think is a general was like, he was also a fucking lunatic. Yeah, I mean, then another guy comes up and he's like, you know, I, 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 I say, great exception to you, to you say, man, he, he was, he was a great man. And Jim was like, do you, do you, do you, you ever, you ever meet him? And he's like, I shook his hand once. He was lovely. I and at my funeral, because I think it's a safe bet that I will die first out of the two of us, and uh, you know, fifty fifty odds that it's at your hands. <laughs> And okay, it's, it's gonna be me or it's gonna be briar <laughs> so anyway uh the screen goes all wavy and uh we see some old military dudes and their world war one regalia um wearing yeah. their red tags so we know that they're going forwards in the temporal pincer movement they're hanging out in, in a basement in, in cairo yeah and what one of them's kind of like a just like a schmuck yeah, you know, but 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 like with, with an English accent. But uh, we only know he's a schmuck because Lawrence spends this whole scene being like, "Hey, uh, can you give me that pencil?" And he's like, "Okay," and he's like, "Oh, I could finally find a pencil, eh, idiot!" <laughs> or just and then later it's like, "Do you want a cigarette? Take one from him." It is like, like you, but like your your performance right now is so much bigger than than Pedro <laughs> yeah, Tools. Yeah, yeah. Like like he he's just I don't mean this to sound offensive in any way, but he's just sort of flopping about. <laughs> yeah, like he, he's. Like he, uh, he's just sitting down and, like, and just like, talking very quietly with this kind of like slightly camp edge, and he's just doing kind of like bomb mots at, at, at people. Well, knowing that that De Laurentiis, who produced this film, had uh, no uh, another De Laurentiis. Wait, not really? Dino? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so okay, so that, that, that's another connection between the two movies. Oh. They're both produced by a guy called De Laurentiis. Is it? I need to. Am I? Anyway, T. Lawrence himself was. Some people believe uh, queer. And there was a, a play called Hoss, I think, that was about that at about the same time, which the producer... No. Of, no. Okay. There was a producer called Spiegel and a yeah. producer called Harris. Yeah. Spiegel. It was Spiegel, the producer uh, of this film, worked very hard, uh, unsuccessfully, to get the play about T.E. Lawrence's possible homosexuality suppressed. And yet, I think Peter O'Toole's performance in this film is pretty heavily and non-pejoratively or judgmentally queer-coded. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and which is really interesting to me. It also brings me to kind of like my favourite thing about him as a character, which is also like it's the... Uh, uh, it's... Um, it's Bogart and Casablanca, just the era of films when the way you made a mainstream hero popular was just have him be a pissy bitch to everyone around him. Just like, nah, yeah, idiots. Yeah. No, well, okay, to be clear, to uh, in Lawrence's case, it's to the white people because yeah. they're the people, yeah. But also there's sort of be like kind of exact opposite character arcs. Like Humphrey Bogart is is all about like learning to to, be, to like care and be a good person, and then like that, that sort of Lawrence's for a while, and then there's just like there's, there's that, that, just all about him being like driven mad by by war and yeah. uh, just learning. Oh yeah, everything's bullshit, and this whole world is garbage. Yeah, uh, and, and so uh, two military higher ups come along, uh, and are like Lawrence, I hate you. <laughs> you uh, you suck. Uh, you you don't salute properly. Yeah. Uh, like you 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 you're, you're just like you you keep talking back to me, even though I'm uh, general. So I'm better than you. Uh, don't, stop acting like I'm not. Stop acting like I'm not better than you. 
Uh, but like th- this other guy, he seems to think uh, you might yeah. like be worth something. So you you can fuck off to Arabia with him, you piece of shit. Yeah, where they have to essentially kind of like they're being sent to like not in these terms, but to like uh, civilize the rebel. Yeah, um, and, uh, and that 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 officer that he's being sent with mm-hmm. is is played by Claude Rains from yeah. from Casablanca. Yeah, um, I haven't seen him in many films oh really i have trouble seeing claude rains oh. why could what why because why, why, he was why? in the invisible man oh, Finn. oh no so after he meets claude rains do you know what he does he goes to arabia yeah and then for the rest of him he's pretty much in arabia well and and he looks at the camera and says that that must mean that i'm lawrence of Arabia, yeah, and he then, went. And then, then it cuts to to Leonardo DiCaprio in in the in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and he's pointing at the screen. <laughs> oh, right, right. I thought I thought you were describing Lawrence of Arabia watching Once Upon a Time in yeah, Lawrence of Arabia watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, pointing at Leo, pointing. Yeah, no, it, okay. It, it cuts it cuts to the scene from I Am Legend where they watch a scene from Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> I. Someone, because you know how there's that art piece, the very famous one, um, by uh, an artist whose name I cannot remember. It's called something like Phone Call, and it's about two hours long, and it's essentially a fictional phone call assembled out of phone calls from films. So it is like you well, see. I, I, I think you're thinking of the sunflowers by Van Gogh. Ah, yes, no, yep. you're you're right. So famous close. video <laughs> installation artist Van Gogh. Van Gogh. Van Gogh. It, 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 it's one of those names where there are like 15 different ways to say it and they're all sort of fine. I think it's Hoch. Hoch. Yeah, but no, no one wants to say that, though. I do. I do. Like, who can, like... <sighs> anyway. So, Lawrence. He's in Arabia. He's in Arabia. What's he doing there? He's mainly on a camel. <laughs> yeah, walking into the distance. Yeah, he he, he meets up with some guy. Uh, don't bother learning his name. This dude's around for like twenty five minutes. But yeah. uh, it feel, feels a lot shorter than that in the grand scheme of the movie. Yeah, they well, yeah. When you're you're like every everything is but a moment in this film. But yeah, this is the first time you really get into like the the iconography uh, yeah. uh, of Lawrence of Arabia uh, when it is just these. Uh, dazzling like super saturated landscape photography vistas of endless sand with like insignificant dots of people drifting through them yeah and which and it kind of it's all a build and like yeah these two guys uh lawrence and his his friend uh whose name i believe was like soon to be dead yeah um uh are going to meet uh, the group he's supposed to be civilizing or bringing under control. Well, yeah, the Bedouin tribes of, of Arabia are at war with, with the Ottoman Empire, and one of the leaders of, of this fight is a man named Prince Faisal, mm-hmm. who's played by Alec Guinness in Brownface. Yeah. Uh, and, apparently, uh, and apparently this Brownface was so good that, <laughs> that, that, that actual Arabs couldn't tell the difference. Uh, IMDb trivia for, for Lawrence of Arabia is a lot of interesting technical yeah. information. Um, uh, uh, and also a lot of like um, the people in Brownface were so convincing that even the locals <laughs> thought they were like, and you're just like, no, 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 no. And, and that is like yeah. fake nose, fake nose, lots of concealer. Well, it is, it is <laughs> fake this, beard. And in, in, in this film that that works so hard and like so much 
like it kind of film feels like this film is effortless in that it kind of feels like oh, of course it looks good they took a 70 mil camera out into these beautiful vistas and pointed it at them yeah but it's it's 1962 there are major technical issues with the camera with the lenses so there's so much invisible work that lean is putting into blocking and things like that so that every frame looks incredible yeah and just like uh, I, there are just shots where you're, you're like how how did they coordinate this to all happen because like the, the, the fucking camera is like a good like two or three kilometers away from from the people who are actually doing the acting yeah and, and, and like and the visual fidelity uh, of, of shooting 65 mil uh brings like this this beautiful detail in people's faces yeah and, and it kind of turns people into objects but not like, not like uh, dusk to dawn, but like sculptures. People be kind of become more than themselves, like a monolith, like everyone is carved on a non-problematic Mount Rushmore. And with all of that, you think they would have done a better job hiding the fake noses? The fake <laughs> noses, which I, I'm sure are like incredible for their fucking time. Yeah. Um, and... and just a real i uh, like the one uh visual gesture of this film that feels uh, incomplete or or stilted and like so much of this film's slow pace is dictated by the fact that like when you're working on that bigger scale of picture fast cutting feels weird and gross you know mm. and so as we learned in some of the more poorly cut bits of uh, Denise Villeneuve's 1984 TV cut of June. But this early introduction to the world and cinegraphic thing kind of climaxes in what, what in my mind is the most iconic bit of the film, which is from nothing through a mirage, the illusion of water in the distance, Omar Sharif on a camel approaches, yeah. starting first as this kind of abstract black dot and then resolving into um is it a into a shape and then a person and it is just like because you're seeing him through, through a mirage you're looking at him for about a minute before you see him like touching the ground at all yeah it's just was like this shape kind of like floating faster faster towards the camera and it's so so cool well and in any modern terms this is a blockbuster film this film mm. cost in modern equivalent probably like 150 million dollars to yep. make and like part of that is the fact that they had to design and build a specific lens that they only used on one bit and it was that bit oh, okay and that lens was so specifically designed to capturing that shot that it's useless for almost anything else. It cannot be used again. But yeah, Omar Sharif comes in and, and uh, shoots and, the other guy. Yeah, he shoots the other guy because he was drinking from from his well. Yeah, and, and um, him and, and and Lawrence have a bit of a a terse confrontation. Yeah. Um. Uh. But eventually, is like, oh, come on, come along, come meet my my Bedouin bros, my better bros. Oh, sort sort of. Like he 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 basically abandons him in, in the desert. Lawrence was with this guy to take him to, to Prince Faisal. Then Ali shows up. He kills the guide, and Lawrence says, oh, yeah. "Like you just killed my guide. I'm trying to get to Prince Faisal." 
And Ali says, well, you'll, you'll, you'll never find him I'm, without me. I mixed me. it up with the later bit yeah. when people go out on their yeah. own. You'll never find Prince Faisal without, without a Bedouin. Yeah. And Lauren's like, eh, fuck you, I'll do it. I'll do it anyway. I don't give a shit. And yeah, so, so then, uh, then Lawrence is riding around on his own for a while. There's a scene where he's like he's riding through a valley and he's, he starts humming and he hears the hum like echoing dozens of times and then there's the like one part of the movie where, like fast cutting where he's just like doing different he's making like lots of different noises and just hearing them echo and just having a great time with it. Well, and it is like so much of the aesthetic success of this film is in doing simple things perfectly, yeah. right? And it is just like. I, it feels like I'm, I don't want to call it a cliche, but I've seen enough scenes in films of people enjoying echoes and their voices. Yeah, but it's like, why do it when it's like their scene exists? Yes. You know, I mean, he sings a ridiculous song. Yeah, it's it, like, it just reminds you like how shit all music was before, like oh, like n- 1957. It's like, I, 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 oh, no, there was good jazz before then, but like all, oh, all yeah. music that like white people like yeah. before 1957, just yeah. unmitigated trash. It's almost as if good music comes from actively resisting white people. <laughs> oh fuck! Which is to be clear, good for music, but more importantly, were bad. I mean, there's also good classical music, but like all good, like all, all yeah. good popular music. Yeah. Enjoyed by white people came after nineteen. But it is—it's a crazy song. It's like yeah. my old mom's made of cheese. She curdles <laughs> in the rain. I'm made of ice cream, and mice eat me when I sleep. My old dad's a carpet monger. He fucks the ground. <laughs> it became a real Dalton Wilcox song. Team there. <laughs> I mean. I I don't think a song is complete until someone has fucked the ground. Any who he eventually meets up with another British army officer, yeah, who is like Prince Faisal's aide, uh, and 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 this dude is like, oh yes, I'll, I'll I'll take you to to I'll I'll take you to 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 Prince Faisal. Come here, come with me. Well, well, well Prince is expecting you. Yeah, and they they they, they go along, and and Prince is like, hey, I'm Alec Guinness. Yeah, do you want to see a Star War? <laughs> Well, it is. This is at the point where you're like, because obviously, brown face is unacceptable. Yeah. Asterix, Cloud Atlas, question mark. But also, we'll get to Cloud Atlas one day, surely. And I'll talk about how the problem with Cloud Atlas is that the world is not good enough to have Cloud Atlas in it yet. Um, but it. it it is. I just, the joke I keep wanting to make is like, I just can't believe that Star Wars is the film Alec Guinness was embarrassed to be in. <laughs> but it's like you wouldn't be embarrassed to be in Lawrence of Arabia, and like you both want to be like it was the time we have to accept it, and like obviously it is the film as we judge it. But you also like you knew enough that people who weren't white were people enough to you know have accepted that maybe they shouldn't be slaves and maybe in some places uh, they should vote and be treated as if they were people because, just to be clear, they are. (laughs) So I don't kind of want to be like, oh, yeah, he's in brown face, but, you know, it was the time. I kind of want to be like, no, even at the time, I wish they had been brave enough. Yeah, this movie was made in England in the early 60s. This is... 20 years before the black the black white minstrel show ended in in the uk uh, like 16 years i think like it was 
anyway, England's fucked. It always has been. Yeah. As as we talked about while we were watching the film, this is the longest film to contain the no 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 women with speaking roles. I mean, or maybe even no women on screen. No, uh, there are there are a couple. Oh, in in one scene, there, there, there are a bunch of dead women, and that, that, that's like that, that's the closest we get. Really, I think the only woman that gets a close up is a pin up on the wall. Right, yes, yeah, of a woman. Uh, Billy dancing, yeah. I believe. I'm 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 so worried that Billy. I'm pretty sure Billy dancing feels like that's yeah. a racist term, mm. but I don't know the right term. I'm sorry. Anyway, but and, uh, the other interesting thing about Alec Guinness is that Alec Guinness loved T.H. Lawrence and had played T.H. Lawrence on stage in the play the Speaking. T.E. T.E. D.H. Lawrence yeah. and T.E. Lawrence. T-E. In the play that the producer tried to get yeah. things. And it's, you know, these things connect up. But anyway. Yeah. It's almost like this podcast is about looking for connections between different things. I love humans always seeing connection, always seeing patterns and things that aren't there. Brackets, McGann, comma. 1996 close brackets doctor who the movie in theaters now hey that's the one good scene in there it's the one really doctor who scene and that ends with them kissing and then going oh yes and she goes what and he says these shoes they fit perfectly it's a good scene might watch that later Mm -hmm. just that scene oh there's also a bunch of bits where 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 eric roberts turns into like a weird uh, cgi worm Uh, finn what the fuck (laughs) are you (laughs) No, okay, like, he, he's he's a CJ worm before he becomes Eric Roberts. Is that what happens? It's a morphant death worm. <laughs> but, I mean, I know we're not always up on the terminology. And the worm is the master. Eric Roberts yeah. is the body it possesses. Yeah, no, I, I know. I just, I'm so sick of you making these elementary mistakes. And it makes us both look bad on this, our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, he's meeting up with Obi-Wan Ben laser sword Kenobi. Yeah. And he and he's like, you know, have you thought about like doing war better? And Fox is like, yeah, man, I really want to do war better. And then his current like his current English officer aide is like, nah, you gotta do war you gotta do war my way. Yeah. You gotta do it the English way. That's the only way yeah. you gotta have discipline. You gotta have discipline, my boy. And then and then Lawrence is like yeah, load of us fucking loser. Yeah, and it is. Uh, you, you should you should do cool shit. You got, you got camels. You got swords. You should you should ride around camels and swords and fuck people up. But I, and also like of my my favorite scene in this film. This is my favorite scene that is not just pictures. If you yeah, know what yeah. I mean. And that is because the guy's like, you know what makes Britain great? We're a small country, but we've got an empire, and, and we've that, got a, and that's what and that's what makes us great. And we've got an empire because we do things regimented and orderly. And the film absolutely does not accept that bullshit. Yeah. Like everyone is like, fucking check out this guy. No, he's just a no. The reason you got a fucking empire is you fucking killed everyone, <laughs> you dicks. <laughs> Fuck. Um, yeah, and so after that, is that when he crosses the desert by himself? Uh, what Lawrence is supposed to actually be doing is securing access to a canal. Yeah, to the Suez Canal. Yeah, and there's a town that is controlled by the Ottomans. Yeah, it is a town called Aqaba. Yep, uh, which he is to lead them to. And so it's kind of, uh, we begin... Well, he, like, he's, he's not actually supposed to do that. Like, that, that, that's, that's his idea, is, is, is oh, to take yeah. Aqaba. Yeah, sorry, I misspoke. Yeah, yeah he, he's, he's just supposed to like be like an aide uh, uh, to the Bedouins. 
and and to take note of what's happening there and like to kind of like be a spy for the yep. for, for, for British. Well, there are a couple of battle scenes in here to show the Ottomans. In fact, one is before we meet yep. Obi-Wan Kenobi, which is the strafing run by this biplane on them and just the sense of a miserable horrific chaos yeah and which is the and this is when like the the lone adventurer it, it is you begin to feel the war and the thing i like about it is that it's not fun hmm. the violence in this film always manages to be beautiful there's never a catharsis to it it's always uh, horrific and painful and you want people to avoid it yeah. and and yeah, but then it's kind of it becomes like the next forty minutes of the film is is him him meeting the Bedouins and becoming kind of good mates with them and, and earning their respect. Yeah, because he like the thing I like is that this isn't a fucking like last samurai thing. He doesn't have to learn to trust them. He trust he like. Yeah, he's like these dudes are fucking cool. Yeah, I, I, I just, just want to hang out with them. Yeah, and and see if I can help them do cool shit. But but they but they earn his his trust through through a variety of things. And there's and it's it, it's the long trip. I just cannot name the name of that town is just not sticking in my brain. Akabar. Uh, Akabar. And along the way, there there's the point where he splits off and goes alone, and Sharif goes alone for a bit as well, right? Uh, it's sort of hard to tell. Yeah, no, well, like this is where it kind of like he's earning their trust. He, the, a major point of conflict is that he, he really struggles with the fact that they kill their wounded so yes. that they won't be captured by the Turkish. And he is, uh, for someone who's in the British military, really, he really hates that idea. And yep. like a big, a big character moment for him, uh, just before the attack is the first time he does that. So that he kills someone who's been wounded, oh, right? No, no. But, so there's, there's a part where, where they all have to, to cross the desert together. And it's supposed to be like a desert that's impossible to cross. And he's like, no, we're going to do it. We're going to get to this place faster than anyone else. And it's going to be great. We're going to take you on by surprise. Yeah. At one point, while they're crossing the desert, uh, he, he notices that one of the camels doesn't have a rider anymore. And and what yeah. and what, what what one of the, he says like what what's up with that camel, and so so either Ali or or, or Faisal says, mm-hmm. you know he I guess the guy riding on it fell off. He he's he's gone now. We're not going to bother looking for him. We'll just waste time. And he has a problem with that. That night he starts saying we have to go back and get him. We can't just let him and die out of a desert. That's fucked. And Ali says. No, fuck you. You're wasting time. We cannot afford to to think about things like that. Yeah, we're, we're going to Akbar. We have to do that. Yeah, and and he says, no, I'm going to go find him. He rides off on his camel, and that that, that that's when we start seeing a uh, footage of of this other guy walking through the desert. Mm-hmm. You know, he he's he's dying of dehydration. He's he's taking off he's taking off all his clothes to 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 avoid the heat. And we see Lawrence riding towards him. Then the Bedouins made camp, and we see Lawrence ride, riding back into camp. With, with 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 this man clinging clinging to to the back of his camel, and yeah, and so so he 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 saves this man from from dying in the desert, and that is the thing that like really earns earns him the trust of of, of the rest of the Bedouins. They're, they're like, okay, this dude, oh, yeah, and, yeah. this dude actually gives a shit about us, and he's willing to to risk his life for us. But but later he does also yes, shoot a wounded guy, and that's a. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so a, 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 a bit, a bit later on, there's a, a fight between between the men, That's and right. one of them, yeah. one of them's wounded, and he's about to execute this wounded man, and he looks down and he sees that it's the man that he rescued. Yeah, 
and it's a really like horrifying difficult moment for, for, for him well and it is for me kind of the first time that the character is put into any kind of conflict yeah. uh, in the film and that the, and that like that it's the thing where it's like and, and, and it, that's not the the previous 90 minutes of this film at this point have been good you know but it is yeah. it's the first time he he's questioned or interrogated and it, and it is interesting because so much it feels like the arc of the film and it kind of is, is is like him with this he quickly comes to a very clear moral position which is like these guys have been killed by the ottomans and this is their home they should we should help them fight the terrorists yeah and then he follows that essentially to madness yeah. but but how that transforms him along the way is this kind of weird interesting staccato arc in that he he, he faces a conflict or a, a culture clash but then he he sees their way and but it's not like he's becoming quote-unquote a savage it's like he is he's he's kind of decolonizing himself but like also a thing that the film keeps doing is he keeps trying to get out after he shoots this man he doesn't like he doesn't like yeah. the, the feelings that, that, that he had when he had to kill him and so he uh, um after they get to akaba and they, and they they take this he goes back to cairo to to see um the like generals and stuff and he, he says to the general, I can't fucking handle this. Yeah. I, I, I hate what it's doing to me. I, I, I don't like the fact that I enjoyed killing this man. Yeah. Like, this, this, this is fucking me up. And the guy's like, oh, you did a great job. You, you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to promote you. Mm. And, and he's like, no, don't do that. Yeah. Like, this, this is going to ruin me. And he's like, nah, you're promoted. Go back. Go, <laughs> yeah. go, go back and do more of it. Yeah. And, like, that, that happens, like, and then that happens again another, like, hour and a half in. Mm. and the thing that like ultimately drives into madness is the arrogance of, of the british military hierarchy yeah. just th- just thinking like no you, you're you're useful to us well and-, and, and as long as you're useful to us we're going to keep like forcing you into this position that you have told us is is dangerous for you well, uh, and useful to them uh, is in terms of like uh, uh uh it will make things easier for them in military terms they yeah. have they absolute. They do not give a shit about the Bedouins. No, um, because uh, the, the colonial British are the worst. <laughs> like, boo. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to see that, and it is. It's like that interesting thing of like how the moments because we get so used to him surrounded by Bedouins mm. that the moments when he's surrounded by white people. If it feel like so weird and alien and yeah. that like it's good i think mm. and so then they attack um akbar 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 yeah and uh, yeah it's, it's, it's this great scene where, where, where all these fucking dudes on camels and horses like, like ride, ride through a tent city and, and uh, like a thousand of them yeah like this was this was a, one of those clear like intolerance moments where you're like oh that's right uh before special effects just having lots of people was the special effect. But like so many people, all on all on horses and camels, like like riding around with swords, and there were explosions going off. Do not want to know how many people, horses and camels, were damaged in the making of this film. Because like fuck, mate, Jesus. Um, but it looks great. Yeah. So they take Akaba as a strategic position. He goes yeah. back to Cairo to... And he tries to sell it to them. Yeah, yes. Uh, as like, oh no, and we got the canal. And they're like, 
Who gives a shit about the canal? We got another point of access yeah, to it. Wh- Fuck wh- you. Wh- wh- why'd you bother taking the canal? And he's like, well, here's why I took the canal because if the Ottomans got the canal, then then they could use it to attack you on your, on your right flank. And, and the general's like, hmm, yes, right flank. Hmm. Yeah. And and so his his like goal in, in in going back is to is basically like say we well, are helpful in this fight. Give me more money. Give me yeah. more guns. Give me artillery. But that I can that I can take back to the Bedouins. Yeah. And the army agrees to give them guns and money, but doesn't agree to give them artillery. Yeah. Because they, they, they think like that, 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 that's that's like a step too far. Well, yeah. And you, 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 you like. Like the the, the 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 Bedouins are useful to us as long as they are reliant on us. Yeah. As, as soon as they have artillery, they can be independent of us, and we we don't want that. Because <sighs> they're the worst. Yeah. I wonder. Do you think? Because this film was famously banned in a lot of Arabic countries. Okay. Uh, sight unseen. Right. Uh, uh, and, and there's a famous case of, oh, I cannot remember the country. Is I think it was possibly Egypt. I think mm. Omar Sharif who is Egyptian, yeah. um, uh, screened it for, like, uh, the Prime Minister or the head censor, and was like, look, no, there's nothing. I mean, for 1962, this is a, like, there's nothing anti-Arabic yeah. as a general term uh, in this film, and especially not anti-Bedouin. Um, uh, and so it, it, I think it got a release in in Egypt and did very mm. well there, which is odd to me because I thought like the people who should be mad about these films are the, are the British, right? Like, yeah. um, and admittedly, I think it was made half with British and half with American money. And like the Americans can be like, yeah, yee, yeehaw, cool. Let's, let's dump on them Brits cause, and build ourselves an empire that in many ways will be the equal of theirs in destructive property. There's one American character in the movie and he also doesn't like come off like particularly great. Yeah. Yeah. He's a journalist, and his entire like his his entire thing is he wants to make war look heroic and cool, so that America will will join World War One. But it is, and like this film was not a sleeper hit. Uh, uh, this is a blank check that cleared. Yeah. Um. And, and it was critically acclaimed at the time. Ten Oscar nominations. Uh. The bit of trivia on that is it probably would have been eleven, but a clerical error meant that they did not submit the costume designer's <laughs> name. Um, and, there's some fucking good costumes. That, oh, and like the great thing about costumes is like the costumes are clearly practical, also clearly uncomfortable. But like there is nar- like how how Lawrence uh, and Omar Sharif's costumes change over the film, yeah. demonstrate shifts in their character in a way that's not like you know they start wearing white and end wearing black, but like do fucking interesting yeah. things. Uh, uh, with it and i just that seems crazy to me that a film that in so many ways seems to be like fuck fuck the colonial powers the empire is bad take let's take down the people stealing land and they were like this good you know starring a queer man yeah an irish starring an, an irishman but but he's Aryan, so it's probably fine and like so that's Interesting, because it doesn't feel like it's trying to hide it. Yeah. It's not yeah. subtext, it's text. Yeah, and, and so that's basically the end of the first half, right? Yeah. After the intermission, it goes to the American reporter. Yeah. This is the first time we've seen him in the past. Yeah. We, we saw him before at, at the funeral. And he's, he's going to interview Prince Faisal. And as I said, he, he, he's basically there because he, he wants to find out where, where Lawrence is. Because he's like, this dude is doing awesome stuff. 
and I, I think if sounds I, if, real kick ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if I if I if I put it in my if I like write in my newspaper how cool this dude is, everyone in America is going to want to go to war. Uh, and this is my least favorite scene in the film. I think this is the the scene in the film. If we are putting a pin in brown face, hmm. and like the big question around having white actors in brown face read from the Quran, which is a big question, uh, which is a thing that occurs in the film, yep. uh, and I, I believe part of why they couldn't film the whole thing in Jordan, right? Like yeah. they had to, um, they had to, because uh, David Lean, oh no. I think David Lean is Jewish, or maybe it was the producer Spiegel. Right, yeah. They had to forge travel documents that said they weren't Jewish to be able to film in Jordan, which that's how, uh, how Muslim it was. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Alec Guinness has this big monologue that's like, see, the thing about us is that all we know is war. Is we are a, and it's very close to, like, we are the savage warrior nobles, you know, the only thing we respect is violence, and that's why we respect Lawrence. And it is this, and it's speaking to this thing where, like, in all prior encounters with this idea in the film, it's been kind of like, no, they're they're at war for their for their ability to live. Of course, they have to be pragmatic about these yeah. things. But having the scene that frames it as like, we always we are people of war. It's all we can do is the bit where I'm like, oh no, this is the exoticized other. Sure, but I mean like he, he he's also like a he's also like a, a, a military leader talking to talking to the press. Like like how 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 much of it do you think is is like this is what the film believes about about Arabs and how much of it is like this is a this is something that, that, that he is saying because um, he f- thinks it makes him sound good. For a film that that works so well at other points to have characters state things and then question it, yeah. uh, that it does not, for me, question that moment, says that the film agrees with it mm. a bit, I think. Okay. okay. Um, uh, but it's like, I'm not saying... Uh, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're still going to say shy or sound, and I'm still going to say sound, yeah. you know? Uh, I, I'm not going to waffle on this one. Um, I'm Because uh, it has been like 10 episodes since I've given a straight answer <laughs> to that to that question. Um and so, yeah, and so then the second part is very much kind of about dealing with the consequences of them taking Akaba in, yeah, yeah. In, in a way. Yeah, we see that Lawrence is now essentially a guerrilla fighter. He's leading like a full band of, of, of Bedouins around. They're, they're blowing up trains, they're doing ambushes, doing lots of cool stuff to fuck over the Ottomans and try and uh, k- kill the men and, 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 and destroy their supply chains. This is where the, the photographer me- meets up with him. And he's hanging around for a bit, and you know, while everyone's like on on a ridge, like firing machine guns, he's just like jumping up and like taking a picture. And uh, then uh, after they after they derail one of the trains, uh, uh, it, I did notice that yeah. he's working old bellows cameras. Oh yeah, uh, where with with attached direct optical viewport pieces, which I think. And he doesn't have his eye to the view piece each time, which I think will fog the film. Because oh. later, one of his cameras is destroyed, and it's like, why be sad? I think none of that, none of those shots are usable. But I, I, I currently, I don't. I might be wrong on that. So during one of their train train blow up heists, which is fucking sweet as yeah, 
Uh, I'm pretty sure, like, they, 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 it still looks like they, they derailed an actual train to do that. I mean, they had $150 million. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, 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 I mean, you, you probably can't derail a real train today with, with $150 million. I, isn't that, isn't that, wasn't that the big struggle they were having on, um, oh, on, on Skyfall? Yeah, they're like, no, you can't, you can't, you can't blow up a tube and drive a train into the sewers. <laughs> No, uh, absolutely not on. on on Mission Impossible. Oh, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, if the people who made Bond films asked Bojo for anything, he'd do it. Yeah, right. Yeah. What an upsetting man. <laughs> Mission Impossible Seven Eight, which they're shooting oh, together, yeah. they were really struggling to find a train bridge crossing that they could blow up an actual that could they could actually have like a train a real train yeah. going across it that explodes and then falls off and then they eventually found one oh, i'm um, so excited and just to just so it's on the record even though we may cut this bit um uh that is going to be the climax uh of of mission impossible 8 of tom cruise's last mission impossible to okay. balance it against because the first one ends with him on top of a train right right uh fighting John Voigt and Jean Reno. Two J's. The two J's. If you, if you want two very problematic men whose names start with J, nowhere better to start than old Daddy Jolie <laughs> Voito and Jean Reno. That's right. The, the professional. Oh, I mean, the, the guy in the Roland Emmerich Gojira film. Godzilla. Yeah, if, 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 I, 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 look, I think if it's a Roland Emmerich movie, you can just say Godzilla. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, Zilla, right? It's either Zilla or Gino are the, the G-fan terms. Zilla be it, because Zilla is what, uh, in, in Godzilla uh, Final Attack, like Kill All Monsters, where he, where he fights a CGI parody, uh, it, it's called Zilla. Uh, and the fans call it Gino because Godzilla in name only. Right. I thought it was because it was Italian. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, so just while we're having no, a... That's, that's why there's an A at the end of Godzilla. Hey, everyone. Uh, welcome to Atomic Breath. It is podcast within a podcast where every week we talk about the latest Godzilla news. So, Finn. Uh, I, I'm, I'm Finn Mothra Nicholas. <laughs> and it's me, <laughs> Yutha Ghidorah. <laughs> I wanted Mothra. I love Mothra. Mm. Anyway, no, uh, 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 so how do you feel about Godzilla versus King Kong probably going straight to streaming? <sighs> Look, I, I Net, uh, Netflix has uh, offered Universal two hundred million dollars for that film, which is, as someone who enjoyed Godzilla, yeah. enjoyed Kong Skull Island, and secretly enjoyed <laughs> Godzilla King of the Monsters. I one a hundred ninety five million dollars too much, right? Also, who, who who's who's directing this one? Uh, it's Adam Wingard. Oh, it's Adam Wingard. Yeah, I'll look. Like, I'll, I'll watch it just because it's Adam Wingard, even though most of the movies he's made are bad. But almost. But, but like, I, I love the guests so much. I'll watch any fucking garbage he well, makes. And, and have you like, like, he doesn't have a good hand at picking scripts. Mm. But he can shoot the fuck out of a script. Like, the problem with his death note isn't his direction of it. Right. Yeah. It is every decision they make in adapting it. And I know this as someone who has 
thought a lot about adapting Death Note. Hey, if you own the rights to Death Note and want a three-season prestige drama adaptation of Death Note, genuinely get in touch. I have TV writing experience. I'll, I'll write you a pitch deck. It, like, there are some fucking twists in this shit that I have planned out. And yes, the protagonist's name is still Light. Light to Yagami. Anyway, that anyway, that's anyway. It doesn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just love. So when I get stressed, I've switched off watching Stop Making Sense and switched on to watching the first six episodes of the anime of Death Note. There's just a bit where he kills someone on a bus that's just very calming to me. So Lawrence of Arabia. What? Who do you think Lawrence of Arabia would kill if he had a Death Note? That's me doing the Death Note, beginning of the Death Note theme. Oh, okay. You like you? You could make literally any noises, and I would have believed you. Oh, let me play both Death Note themes, and you will understand. The theme tunes for Death Note I would describe as any noise. Um, the the only anime theme tune I know is one to Yu Gi Oh. You must have heard the theme tune for No. We've talked about this. You need to watch Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, I've never watched Cowboy Bebop. Environment. Oh, look, I like cowboys. I like bebop. I don't know if I need them both together. No, you do though. You do, but like, here's the thing, mate. You do though. Would it help if I told you the the head director of Cowboy Bebop also directed an entry in the Animatrix? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Mm, directed something called Samurai Shampoo. I've heard of it. I have no idea what it is. Mm, Samurai Shampoo. Yep, is Samurai. Like is is it is it talking about like a like a a fake plue like a sham plue? No, I, I'm I'm honestly not that sure. I've not seen that much of it, but it's it's also like good. I, I've I've seen so many anime titles where I'm just like I have no concept of what this could mean. But that but that's translation conventions, yeah. right? That's like yeah. that's like two languages that have totally different sentence like structures. What, what's sham plue in Japanese then? <laughs> I was just assuming you'd know. Hey Siri, what's shampoo in Japanese? What the fuck? Why did you open to my watch? <laughs> hey Siri, what's shampoo in Japanese? In Japanese, shampoo is shampoo. That's on cutting room floor right there. <laughs> yeah. A lot, lot, of, lot of bad Siri bits on this podcast. I just, I like. Hey Siri, <laughs> no, no fuck. Hey Siri, can you name every single Rainer Werner Fassbinder film? Here are some movies: A Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, <laughs> Fireball, Visitors from Darker Worlds. Greyhound, happiest season. <laughs> it's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a surprise. All of those films are on Apple server, uh, on the Apple server. That's so funny. It's <laughs> uh, good. We, see, we got there. We yeah. just, look, if we've learned anything from this podcast, it is the longer we go, the closer to good we get. <laughs> Because so much of the war section of this film, the second half, is about kind of this encroaching madness, is that he, 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 and, and like, 
the whole world seems to be conspiring him to turn him insane. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, oh, the, yeah. the thing I was going to say about the train sequence is the journalist is there and he's like, hey, Lawrence, get, go stand on top of the train and do, do like a cool pose. And he's like, yes, I'll do a cool pose on the train. Yeah. And so he, he gets up there. And then uh, it turns out that like what what one of one of the one of the Turkish soldiers isn't isn't dead yet, and he he pulls out his pistol and he sees Lawrence on top of a train and he shoots him and he like gets him in the arm and Lawrence falls off the train, and uh, then uh, uh, then what one of the other characters like starts looking for the person who's shooting at Lawrence and Lawrence gets up and he he's just like the, the guy's like twenty thirty meters away from him and he just gets up and he's just staring at him, he's just I like it seems like he's trying to figure out, like. Why do you, why do you do that? That was like rude. He just he's just staring at the guy. And the guy raises his gun again, and starts like firing, mm-hmm. and he fires a shot. It hits a window behind Lawrence. And he fires another one. It hits it hits the side of a train, and he just keeps firing at Lawrence until one of the other guys comes up behind him and like cuts his head off with a sword, basically. And, and just the entire time, Lawrence is standing just like totally emotionless as this dude is firing a gun at him, and you're just like, oh no. <laughs> This is a bad sign when people start doing this. Yeah, I well, think this means it, something negative about about his emotional health. Well, especially because he was so so much of him wanting to leave in the first half is about him n- not really wanting to be involved with violence. Yes, yeah. um, but now it just doesn't affect him at all, and, mm. and so it becomes this kind of sequence of encounters through which he he gains and loses friends, right? Mm. Uh, uh, and any two two young kids kind of become his sidekicks for a little bit. He loses the first one of them on on his way back to Cairo for the first time. What one one of them falls into quicksand and he's yeah. uh, he's unable to save them. That's right. Uh, uh, and then the 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 other one dies during a failed train robbery. And 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 Lawrence has to, uh, uh, yeah, he, he's like he's shot and wounded, and I mean Lawrence has to has to finish him off, and that's kind of a moment where where Lawrence is just kind of like finished as as like a as like a moral being. Yeah. Well, and, and he, uh, uh, back when he's just got one kid with him, he takes him to Cairo and is like, "I want a bed with a bath." For him, yeah, and everyone is shocked. Yeah, when he says that he's in like an officer's mess hall, yeah, and like him and this kid are both like dressed as Bedouins, both covered in dirt, and everyone's like, hmm, "You, you can't be in here. You can't bring him in here." Huh, hmm, ah. Yeah, it's just a bunch of just a bunch of fucking like like mustache guys, just just like playing billiards. And after that, he's had a couple of failed attacks in a row, mm-hmm. and his men are starting to lose faith in him a bit. He's losing faith in himself. And and so him him and Ali secretly go, go into um go into one of the towns occupied by by, by the Ottomans, and they they're just gonna like sneak around and like scope things out, and uh, they are immediately caught by by some guards. They walk past these guards, and and Ali's like, "We are incredibly conspicuous right now. Uh, we we are dressed as the people these people are going to war against." Yeah. And and Lawrence's like, "No, I'm I'm invisible. No." And like he, he's just he's becoming more and more drenched. Like no, no one can fucking see me. I'm so cool. I mean, like I realize I'm a, I'm a I'm a white English man with blue eyes, yeah. wearing like bright white robes. Yeah. No, no one can see me. Yeah. Totally inconspicuous. And he, he's taken by these guards to uh, uh, uh to like an army barracks, uh, uh where 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 the, the the leader in charge is played by Jose Ferrer, mm-hmm. the, the the father of Mel Ferrer, mm-hmm. uh, who who uh, who who everyone loves. Uh. And we're going to talk a bit more about Jose Ferreira later on. Are we going to talk about him a lot when it comes to Denise Villeneuve's no, 1984 no, like, TV cut? We just got to prove that we did, like, we did figure out some more uh, <laughs> connections. connections between the two movies. But um, yeah, so so he's taken to 
uh, he's taken to 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 meet Jose Ferrer, and and, and they're, they're talking for a bit, and then Lawrence is like, yeah, fuck, I don't want to talk to you, and like tries to headbutt him in the face, yeah, and then then, then he gets tortured by the guards, mm-hmm. uh, and he right at the beginning of the movie. When he's like in the basement talking with talking with the other guys, he puts out a match with with, with his fingers, and and then like what what one of, one of the other soldiers tries to do it, he's like ah oh, that fucking hurts, and 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 Lawrence's like yeah no of course it hurts you're touching fire. The whole point of it is not to care that it hurts. Yeah. And so then like there's a scene where he's being tortured and he's being like he's being beaten with like a like with like a strap over and over again. Yeah. And he just like re- refuses to make any sound while he's being beaten. Yeah. Even like what a performance. <laughs> like yeah, you really get from him that your brain will tell you to fear things, <laughs> but you have to ignore the fear because it is to pick a phrase at random. The from, mind killer. Yeah. Oh, from it's, the clear. It's, bl- little, it's the little death within us all. Yeah. I, I mean, I prefer to call things tiny deaths. Like, uh, very good uh, play. It was written in 2015 uh, in New Zealand. It's a collection mm-hmm. of um, monologues by uh, the best, you know, uh, kind of still emerging yep. playwright in New Zealand. Um, I cannot remember his name. Uh, Uther Dean, I've, I think. I think you can uh, yeah. get a copy to read for $10 from Playmarket dot org dot nz that's https colon slash slash www dot play market that's p l a m for motherbox dot org for orgasm dot nz and then just in the playwright section in the playwright section go to d for dean uh, and you'll find above ken duncan but beneath oh a play oh god and you see used to know the people on either side of me. Roger Danger. Ah, uh, yeah. Famous museum playwright, Roger Danger. And what's your favourite Roger Danger play? Mine is, all them sheep coming. <laughs> I like The Sound of Dawn. Mine is, Quiet Sheila. <laughs> mine's, uh, mine's, uh, William Potter's, uh, Fucked up farm. <laughs> I did you know there was a period in the early nineties where every single rep in one year every repertory theatre in New Zealand licensed one play and it was his play. You win the raffle, you win my wife! Exclamation <laughs> mark. Um, it's starring Denny Dyer. <laughs> yeah, interestingly, starring Denny Dyer. It was in the title. <laughs> He's not in the film. It's like Burn Hollywood Burn, an Alan Smithy film. Danny Dyer has has he? No, 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 Yuthi. He hasn't played a Bond villain yet. <laughs> <laughs> the I do quite like the idea of a Bond villain being a yob mm-hmm. of being like, "Oh, Rama's Bond." But nah, that's classist. No, I feel like he has been here. I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, that's right. He's in the Ghost in the Shell film. Right, yeah, yeah, no, no. He 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 plays the hypnotist at the end of Old Boy. <laughs> Holy <laughs> fucking imagine <laughs> how you're watching Old Boy. Well, this is good. This is fucked up. Nothing can surprise me about this. <laughs> oh what? He hasn't made a film since 2015. Oh, because he is on EastEnders. Oh, okay. And, of course, is the host of The Wall and his uh, 2019 series, Danny Dyer's Right Royal Family, and 2018 TV series, 
true love or true lies. Yeah, and, and I'm sure he's still touring, touring <laughs> the, the, the like roadshow of, of, of Run For Your Wife. Do you think that... <laughs> Do you think true love or true lies is you have to describe whether they're situations that show people in a functioning, loving relationship or a scene in true lies? <laughs> so it's like, okay, Finn, welcome so to a, the a, show. A man's tricked his wife into going to a hotel room <laughs> and he, he pretends to be someone else and strong arms are into doing a striptease for him. Okay. Well, that, 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 sounds, that's, that sounds like a functioning relationship to me. <laughs> that's it, that sounds good. <laughs> so you're saying true, li- true love? Correct. No, it's true lies. We thought you would know, James Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I mean, we can't like. If there's one thing we know about Arnold Schwarzenegger is that I don't think he has any conception of what actual love is like. Uh, Look, he he loves one thing, and which that's sexually assaulting people. Well, I was going to say muscles. <laughs> okay, I mean, yeah. After the second one of these kids that that, that Lawrence basically taken on as, as his own, after the second one of them dies, he uh, uh, he goes back to Cairo to talk to the generals again, and they're like, "We love you even more this time. We think you're just so good." Oh wait, oh no, no, no. Okay, so no, they 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 push on to 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 Damascus, and they 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 end up taking Damascus. They recapture Damascus from from, from the Ottomans, and. Okay, there, 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 there is another meeting with the with the English guys on Bingo. So anyway, he meets with the English guys again, and 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 he's like, "We know that you want Damascus. We're going to get there first. We're going to take Damascus. That's going to be ours. You you don't get to say shit about that." And the, and the general's like, "Yeah, sure, fine, great. Uh, as as long as you like, fucking get get the Ottomans out of there." And so they 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 make this big push through the desert. They 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 get to Damascus. They 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 take it over, and they they um and Lawrence tries to get them to like start uh, a a proper country. He he tries to get them to start a senate and all that stuff. And immediately there's so much like factionalism and infighting between all these different tribes that he's trying to like force into like a cohesive parliament that it just splits apart and that they they all they'll just leave. And the, the the and the the the, the city's on fire. There's no running water, and uh, uh, and then and then Lawrence finds out that uh, that there was a there was an army hospital being run by the Turks that has just been left like there's just been like left vacant for for days, and now there are just like uh, there are just like two thousand men dying alone on stretch on 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 stretches, and he 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 goes down to the hospital, and uh, it's fucking horrifying. And uh, uh, then a, b- a bunch of like English, uh, uh, a bunch of English uh, uh, officers pull up, and uh, and they're like, "This is this is fucked, Lawrence. This is your fucking fault." They like slap him in the face, and then uh, then he's back in he's back in Cairo, and he's telling the officers again, like, "Let me leave this fucking country. I'm done here. Like this is killing me. I'm becoming a monster. Fuck this. Fuck this. Fuck this." And they're like, "No, we're gonna promote you again." You're so good. You're such a good soldier. We we'll love you. Here's and uh, like we're gonna give you a bunch more men and a bunch more money. Uh, go go back. Do more cool shit for us. And uh, so they, they, he's like, "Well, you're gonna have to give me a lot of money." And we're like, "Yeah, sure." And uh, uh, they 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 give him the money. He goes back to <laughs> he he goes back to Arabia again. 
And this time he has basically gone like fully mad. Uh, he's surrounded himself with a retinue of bodyguards who are all like like who are all like famous murderers that, yeah. that, that, that he's found, and they've all got like like brightly colored costumes. And they all they they, they all like ride it's around. It's a real all suicide times. squad. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It is. Especially because uh, one uses a sword haunted by the ghost of his dead husband. Yeah, and one of them can climb anything. <laughs> and one is the Joker's girlfriend. <laughs> Ex-girlfriend. Oh. Well, no, like no, in that movie, they're, they're still together. Oh, oh, anyway. I think I've got the order of some things mixed up, but anyway, they're making a big push. I think this is when they're pushing to Damascus, and I got the Damascus stuff the other way around. Yeah. Um. So they're, 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 they're making Yeah, big... no, the, the big chunk of money is for Damascus, and he's like, we want Damascus, and he's like, well, I'll need fucking shitloads of money. Yeah, yeah. And also, they're going to take Damascus, and I'm gonna give them Damascus, and there's like and you, 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 you don't get to say anything about it. You don't it. get to say anything about it, and there's a water plant guy there who's like, "Yes, yeah, sweet as as long as well, no, no that, that, that's that's with Prince Faisal after they've taken Damascus. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Anyway, the, the, this, look, this movie's four hours long, and it's kind of confusing in what order stuff happens sometimes. But um, the, the, especially the, if you watch the <laughs> the TV cut, uh, 1984 oh, cut of Denise Villeneuve's 2021 film <laughs> June after it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, so the, the, the like last big the last big battle of the film is uh, when they're making they're, they're, they're pushed towards Damascus. They ride through a village which has just been like destroyed by by, by Ottoman forces. And the, 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 this is the, like the one scene of the movie where you see some women and they're all dead and covered in swords. They just got swords poking out of them. And uh, oh yeah, oh, ab- absolutely not, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> unacceptable. Um, <laughs> And Lawrence and everyone else uh, who works with him is like, this is uh, this is fucked. And what what w- one of the people there, one of Lawrence's soldiers, this was his village, yeah. and he's like, everyone I fucking know is dead. I'm not happy with this. <laughs> and and so they they they, they ride on a bit. I believe further. he just crosses his arms and in a note of quiet resignation says, unacceptable. <laughs> they ride on a bit further until they see the like marching column of Turkish soldiers that have just just destroyed this village. And the, the, this one soldier, he pulls out a sword and he just says, no prisoners. <laughs> and then he starts shouting, he's like, no prisoners! And then he starts uh, right, just like running towards these dudes and immediately gets gunned down. And then Lawrence is like, yeah, fucking no, no prisoners! <laughs> yeah. And they, they, they ride in and they, they slaughter all these dudes and there's like this like pretty incredible battle sequence where just like, like four hundred dudes on horseback are just fighting each other and stabbing each other, and things are blowing up, and it's uh, it's uh, it's really good, and uh, and it's when Lawrence just like gets off his horse and he's just walking around just shooting dudes point blank in the face, and uh, and 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 and, uh, uh, and and Ali, who we haven't mentioned for like an hour, uh, he he's he's just running up just like, and just just yelling at Lawrence like fucking stop this, stop there, stop it, and, and Lawrence is like. He's just completely dead-eyed, and all he wants, like, all, all the only thing he can focus on is just pulling the trigger, I and mean, then reloading his gun and pulling the trigger again. And that—that's—that's that's basically when, when Lawrence, uh, yeah, then after Damascus, when the whole thing in Damascus happens, then he finally gets out of the army, uh, and then, uh, uh, and then the 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 movie ends as he is dri- dri- driving up the road, being like being like dri- driven out of out of Cairo. And he sees two motor- motorbikes going past, and he says, "Oh, that gives me an idea." Cut to credits. Lawrence of Arabia. The end. Directed by David Lean, starring Peter O'Toole, 
Omar Sharif. Jose Ferrer. Alec Guinness. So, Finn Sound Nicholas. That's my name. Don't wear it out. Okay, so I want you to guess... <laughs> the box office. The star rating that the following Amazon reviews gave okay. to Lawrence of Arabia. The footage, what you can see of it, is amazing. But you can't see the movie. Press play, nothing. Press fast forward, nothing. <laughs> oh, you can select subtitles. You can select, but you can't see the movie. No, okay, I can't. They, they're all obvious. Jesus Christ. Is that, is that one star? Yeah, I mean, there are so many. I just want to say there are so many one star reviews on Amazon, which are clearly people not understanding that at the beginning there's a five minute overture <laughs> of a black screen and just did not think to skip forward slightly. There, there's, a, there's a long one that's not entertaining enough to read about telling the story of buying the film three times. <laughs> so what 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 I do, like, if basically in time I watch a really good movie, is I'll go on Letterboxd and, and, go, and go, to, go to the reviews and sort by lowest rated first and just read all the half-star reviews of any really good movie. <laughs> like, do, 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 do you want to know what stupid people think of a serious man? Read the half-star <laughs> reviews on Letterboxd. <laughs> Sick of this film's pro debic agenda. <laughs> there are so many like half star reviews of Buster Scruggs where everyone's just like, I can't believe a movie this racist got made in 2018. And it's like, No, what, what are you talking about? And like, I can't believe this movie where this guy says all these racist things about Native Americans and then this woman kills herself because of all the racist things about Native Americans. Like, no, the point of it is that there was the white colonialist myth of how like of how savage Native Americans were, and it leads this woman who like otherwise would have lived uh, to 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 dying for no good reason. Good movie, Buster Scruggs. Liked a lot. Tom Waits, amazing. Wom Tates, Rinfield himself. <laughs> uh, so Finn, Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> yep, classic, classic, classic porn parody. Show or sound? It's sound. Yeah, it's sound. It's super good. It look, I... looks looks amazing. What what once you're able to like key in, 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 into Peter O'Toole's performance, it's 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 yep. such it's such a magnetic performance. Uh, I I love any movie which is about uh, which is about uh, which is about someone going insane. <laughs> I think I think those are all good, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, Wait, are there any? All of your f- every film you like is about someone going insane. Well, Do you it, like films it's, it's about people about like, becoming well, sane? You usually ones are like about like deep emotional trauma being inflicted on people. Yeah, and sometimes that leads them to going insane, but not always. For, like, like 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 in Mandy, yes, he goes insane, <laughs> but 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 in but in Margaret, no, she doesn't go insane. Yeah, well, she uh, does for a bit. For, yeah, for everyone at home, <laughs> Finn is just in a. Top to toe sportswear look, but it's been you know how you can order it like digitally printed with like repeated images, so it's just head to toe, and it is just it's the poster for Unsane. <laughs> oh, what are you gonna say? It's like, it's, it's, just, it's just a shot from Margaret where, where you can see Elton Jenny's leg has come off. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, it's sound film. Yeah. I, I think it is. It, I think it's the film you can make the art like that has the best. You know, it's radical for its time. Yeah. For and the fact that it it's saying that something this you know not it doesn't feel radical now, but like on that scale with that budget, it's nice. And like we're so used to films of that scale of blockbusters 
kind of having to be default entertainment that don't really make decisions or the decisions they make are the least interesting decision. Yeah. These days, anytime any money is spent on a movie, the movie has to be like either expressly apolitical or it has to be funded by the US military. And something I really only realized watching it the this time, admittedly the last time I watched it was probably 10 years ago, so maybe I noticed at that time, is that the Ottoman Empire, who are ostensibly the villains of the plot, are largely faceless throughout. Yeah. They're, they're, they're enemies, and there, there are a couple of individuals we meet, and there's, of course, uh, the hospital. Um, but the fact that, yeah, they spent $50 million at the time, $150 million now, which would be $300 million New Zealand yep. dollars. Man, I could buy so many dollar mixes for that. Yeah. You, 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 you could buy... Uh, 150 houses with 300 million dollars. <laughs> no, well, no. Have you looked at? You, yeah, it's you can buy bit... half a house. Um, there's countries, but and the government won't do anything about it. Yeah, but don't worry. Everyone else in the world loves Jacinda because she's a picture, not a person. Why the fuck? Like the moment, I, uh, I'm just still mad about the weed referendum. Um. I'll never forgive her because no. I'm a one issue voter. Sorry, no one tissue voter. What? <laughs> I'm not even entirely sure what that means, but I don't think I want to know. Yeah, I don't know. I like it just sounds gross. But yeah, like check it out. Like it it is, it is sad. Hey, why not? If you're listening to this and going like this is, it's sad we couldn't see it on a big screen. Yeah. Uh, um. And so that's why, if you're listening to this and you enjoy the show, which you do, because you're still listening to it, why not share it with your friends? Leave us a review on on your podcast, your podcatching app uh, of choice. Uh, tell people who you think would like it, and so that we can build enough of an audience that we can like book out massive cinemas just for the two of us to watch films yeah we've got some ideas for, for screenings we want to do in the future <laughs> yeah and we need a lot of money for them to be viable most of which uh, would technically uh either torture or performance art and um, both torture art yeah performance torture performance torture i know I've like, seen... like like the like the, the like the, the standard prison experiments P- performance torture <laughs> um so fan yep I I don't want to talk about Dune. Like, ugh. like it's it's not it's not it's not good. This cut is bad. The original theatrical cut of Denis Villeneuve's David Lynch's Dune is like is not good, but it is it is a really interesting failure, and there, it, it is like singular. It, 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 yes, it, it has it has amazing design. There is lots of stuff that I think works really well about that movie. Yeah, and it is like it, enjoyable to watch, even though it makes no fucking sense. The the three hour long TV cut, uh, is uh, is 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 fucking shit ass. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in it that is incredibly fucking boring. It is wall to wall the worst narration. Just like if, well, not but like really bad narration. Yeah, incredibly yeah. fucking like pedantic, shitty narration <laughs> that just like tells you like there are so many that like, every fucking scene of this movie there will be a shot. Where it just holds on a person's face for a while, while while like while either a narrator tells you what that person is thinking, or that person voiceover goes, "I'm thinking this might not be well, good." And it is, uh-huh. and and like it's not even just like a locked off shot. The camera's kind of like shaking a bit while it's yeah. locked in these people's faces, and you're just like, "This sucks." But it is what like the 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 
the really interesting thing is that it is very clear that all this narration has been added to it to clarify. And yeah. you, you've read the books. Yeah. Um, I, I have not. Uh, uh, I've, I've seen the theatrical cut of David Lynch's cut of Denise Villeneuve's yeah. Dune, and I have seen the sci-fi miniseries, but I have no memory of it. Right, yeah. Um, and so it's not it's not like I'm I'm interested in it. I, I, I'm listening to the audiobook. It's good. But there's shitloads of stuff I don't know. Uh, and I'm fine not knowing it. But whenever this narration stops to like explain something, like it opens with was probably five minutes, but it genuinely felt like twenty minutes oh, long. Like it, it, I, I like I, I would say it was ten. Um, it, it, it starts with a it starts with a prologue, which is Ken Burns' shots uh, of paintings. Yeah, and I I I like those paintings a lot. I like I I've, learned I've, to hate them for the amount yeah. of time we saw them. But, well, yeah, that's a nice idea to get across like a lot of like really complicated backstory and world building. Yeah, and I think if. Like I think, really, all they need is uh, like another couple passes at, at that narration and a better narrator, and that would be passable. It, it wouldn't be good, but it would be it would not be excruciating like it is. But like we have so clearly already but, got the answer as to how you do this level of yeah. backstory, which is like the pitch. This film, like Virginia Madsen, who who did the narration in the theatrical mm. cut, the intro narration in the theatrical cut, and uh, uh, um. Uh, I cannot remember the name of the character, says that when she signed on, they signed on for three films, and the pitch was, this is Star Wars for adults. And, like, Star, I, I do not love Star Wars. There yeah. are good Star Wars films, and there are bad Star Wars films, and there are more bad Star Wars films than there are good Star Wars yes. films. But, like, the lesson of Star Wars is have a clear story and let the audience work out the world mm. from details. And that is clearly the solution to june and i think that's even clearly the solution to how you recut this film mm. and i think looking from my memories of the theatrical vision i that's what lynch is aiming for and they're telling him to add more stuff into yeah. it in my opinion one of the biggest fuck-ups that this like prologue does is one of the paintings is a painting of of the third stage guild navigator yeah uh and like in in, in the theatrical cut of the movie you have you have the, the like you have the opening kind of like uh, monologue explaining things, and then it goes straight into the, the the emperor's palace, and 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 you see the the third stage guild navigator, yeah, which is a gross fish man in a giant tank. And it's fucking sweet ass. Yeah, it's it's su such a such a cool design. Yeah, really re 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 really cool effect, and like it 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 saps so much of the power of it by like seeing a painting of it like five minutes beforehand. Well, and, and I just, I, just, I wish I like I wish they just like thought about that before they before they fucking well, did that and and and, and to emphasize like i am interested in june i'm interested yeah. in the world and i'm interested in like what he's doing linguistically but also this introduction is a lot of like on the schmuggillion planet it is run by de glarmo and the king of the schmuggigons oh schmuggigon and you're just like very quickly i'm just i'm just listening to a list of syllables so like that yeah, intro it, it's also just like saying the same thing over and yeah. over again there's a bit where it tells you about the planet's kaitan and Ponder Baber. Uh, it tells you about the planet's Kaitan. It's pronounced Ponder Replay. <laughs> tells you about, about the planet's Kaitan, Caladan, and Gide Prime. And it tells you about the three families that run those planets. And then it goes Caladan, Gide Prime, Kaitan, and Arrakis. And then it explains them again. Yeah. And the thing is, you know that stuff. And I was like, is. I was just thinking, being like, I did not, like, I became more confused because of it. And yeah. so much of the time, there would be, like, 
like when Pat, when Patrick Stewart's character was introduced, it was like this is Gormabulon Smormaxulox, the oldest knife king of all the Quixel Quedalac. And okay. I was just his, like... His his name is Gertie Hellick and he's a warrior bard, okay? But, but I, I was just like, I am now... Oh, no, fuck, sorry, wait. Yeah, no, no, he's Gurney Hellick. Yeah. I am somehow more... And it is just, you enter, uh, uh, to steal a phrase from uh, Andrew Todd, you enter very quickly an uncanny valley of exposition. Yeah. And you're just like... What the f- I do not understand what this is. And it is and it kind of saps away from the rest of the film because and it is like it's it's telling that the most impressive stuff remains the stuff with dim worms, the shy halud. Shy halud. And then uh you If God wanted me to travel in tunnels under the ground, he would have made me <laughs> shy halud. Okay. Oh, I thought you were going to go longer, so I no, no, I was, I was just that, that's just my favorite Tom Brokaw as uh, d- d- Tom Brokaw Dune fan joke. Um, <laughs> so good uh, uh, <laughs> to 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 check that Instagram notification I got. Oh, that's cool. Someone's reading a script I wrote. Yeah. It's called The Coward. I wrote it about you. Oh, I, I, uh, okay. I, I was just going to say, is it about me? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's about both of us because <laughs> the the coward. It was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And the thing is, is like there's an interesting thing about Paul Atreides, or to use his full name, Paul Muadib. Yeah. Well, um, his full name is Usul Paul Muadib Atreides. Um, he, has, he, has, like, he has three different fucking names in this movie. Yeah. So, okay, so he's got his real name, and he starts off with Paul Atreides. Well, that, his government name. Yeah, yeah. His dead name. Yeah, and then when he, when he joins the Fremen later on in the movie, he is given the name Usul, which means the strong base of a pillar. Yeah. But then part of Fremen culture is you have to take, you have to like choose your own name. So, so Usul is his secret name, but he uses amongst the Fremen. I mean, he has to take his own name, but he will use in public. And for that, he chooses the Fremen word for the shadow of a mouse under the light of the second moon, which is, of course, Muad'Dib. So those are his three names. Paul Atreides, Usul, Muad'Dib. It is, and it played in this cut of the film. By Kylo Glocklo. Yep. Who is. Uh, Agent who, Dale Cooper himself. Um, uh, Showgirls and, man. And Dougie Jones. Just Blue Velvet. The mayor from Portlandia. Uh, just. One of the husbands from Desperate Housewives, I think. Yeah, or. I think so. I they certainly remember. date. I can't remember if they husband, though. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, don't never, I never watched that show. I watched the whole first season. Yeah. Just because just you love Terry Hatcher so much? I mean, no. There was a time where it was unacceptable to be like, ooh, F- Felicity Huffman. Huffman. Yeah. yeah. Uh, from Transamerica. Fuck, that was uh, the second, uh, the the best acting performances of all time. The first was, uh, 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 like, I'm, I'm, I'm a dog checking a thing, the Joker speech. And the second was Danish girl crying in the mirror and it was just like oh mate you just don't know what good means but like Carl Glocklow and like because Paul Atreides is an interesting protagonist because he's he's a child of privilege whose arc at least as far as I understand it is largely internal and yeah it's about learning that he is god <laughs> yeah I mean yeah it, 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 look it, 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 it's about it's about it's about it's about a rich kid who who, who learns that but he is the most important person in the universe. Well, and the, the 
<laughs> and that so much of that occur, occurs uh, within him. And, and in, in the original t- cut of this cut of Dennis Villeneuve's Dune, I always saw him as like a <laughs> kind of a blank slate protagonist yeah. to carry you through the world. Whereas in this, and like with this level of uncanny valley of exposition, and it's like, it hits hits the point where the navigator is like, the third stage navigator is like, kill Paul Atreides for me. And he's like, you want me to kill Paul Atreides? Duke Leto Atreides' son? First, the guild navigator says like, we've been sensing some things about Paul Atreides. You have to kill him. And the emperor says, surely you mean Duke Leto Atreides, his father. Yeah. And the navigator says, no, we mean Paul Atreides. Kill him. And then it goes back to the emperor. And then like his internal monologue is like, what if I want me to kill Paul Atreides? Duke Leto Atreides' son. Then it cuts outside to Lady Jessica. No, no, to, to, to um, um, there's like Gaius, Helen, like Reverend Mother of the, of the, of the Bene Gesserit. And she gets a psychic ring and she's like, oh no, he's being asked to kill Paul Atreides, Duke Leo Atreides. And then it genuinely cuts back to a close-up on the Emperor and you hear his internal monologue going like, did he really just ask me to kill Paul Atreides? And you're just like, and so with that level of exhibition going around him, I could no longer see a, a um, Glocklo as Paul, um, as as like this vessel through which I could experience the world, but as as a man growing more and more confused, like I was, <laughs> even though he like, and it, and it ends up seeming like, uh, you know how there are. Like, this is just the example I pick off the top of my head. There are loads of examples for this. But, like, there are, like, Hong Kong slapstick comedies that are essentially based on cultural mores that do not exist yep. in, quote, unquote, the Western world. And so you're watching them and it's like, I just don't understand. And all these things are shaped like jokes. Yeah, it's like, why, why, why are those wheels on meals? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> and, like... And that that's not to say they're bad, but you end up in a film that is made, like, like I am a, a slovenly, like, a slovenly nerd monster <laughs> who happily look, has... Look, look, you, 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 you are a gross fish, man. <laughs> who happily spend seven hours on a Friday when people are working, watching yeah. films with his friend to talk about them on a podcast. Like, I'm the core of your audience for your three-hour TV edition cut of the David Lynch cut. <laughs> yeah, yes. Of De- De- yeah. And it is like, how am I the person who's, how can I not understand this? It is, it is there are so many things in it that feel like just a fundamental misunderstanding of how to tell stories. Uh, and which is sad because I think, like I stand by my statement and especially it helps that David Lynch's name is not on the TV cut yeah. of the David Lynch cut of the joke. Um, is Com- the, commit to the bit. <laughs> uh, it helps that David Lynch's name is not on the Alan Smithy TV cut of the David Lynch cut of Denise Villeneuve's June. Um, uh, and the, my statement is that D- David Lynch has never made a bad film. Yeah. And that is because like the theatrical cut of David Lynch's cat of Denise Villeneuve's June is, is like you could take any frame from that film 
with the possible exception of some of the model shots, and yeah. you would not mistake it for any other film. Yeah. Like, it's aesthetic, as unique. How arch he asks the performances to go, and theatrical, and what I think is a good way to embrace, like, kind of the Shakespearean quality of the dialogue is like really interesting and like it doesn't land and I think that everything that makes it not land is people interfering um yeah or 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 David uh, or 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 Lynch not quite feeling ready to be like no fuck you I'm just gonna do whatever the fuck I want because this is the first like this is surely his biggest budget he's ever worked with Unless you consider the return a whole film, which yeah. you should. I don't know some pretty big explosion scenes in in Inland Empire. Yeah, like, did you know that in underneath all those rabbits masks and rabbits, <laughs> Tom Cruise, Will Smith, Beyonce, and uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Oh, I was going to guess that the last one was was Quivenzene Wallace from A Beast of a Southern Wild. <laughs> Yeah. Do you remember the one time the onion apologized for a joke? No, what was that? On the Oscars night, for whichever year that was, but Quivenzone Wallace was, yeah. was nominated for, for Best Supporting Actress. Uh, for Beats of the Southern Wild. Yeah, yeah so um, the... the uh, uh, B-E-E-T-S, yep. like beetroots. Yep. So uh, at one point during the Oscars ceremony, uh, the, 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 the onion Twitter account tweeted out, Quivenzone Wallace seems like a real cunt. <laughs> Just because like, she, she's like 11 years old and she seems yeah. like the, just like the loveliest little yeah, girl yeah. in the world. Yeah. And that they tweeted about it. I never got so fucking mad at yeah. them. That's the one time they've like deleted a tweet and issued an apology for yeah. a joke. But I think it's I think it's a very funny joke. I, I think my um my my joke about mispronouncing easily pronounced names comes from uh at the Independent Spirit Awards that year, which were hosted by one Andy Samberg. Oh, yeah. To hear more about his work, check out the uh twenty twenty Shite and Sound Showdown <laughs> for the Crown Birds of Movie or the Fantabulous <laughs> Best Movie <laughs> of One Harleen <laughs> Best Film. <laughs> <laughs> It's a work in progress. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 and one of his opening jokes was, it's crazy. We've got a lot of actors, a lot of great actors here. Giancarlo Esposito is here. Quivenzano Wallace. Pual, sorry, is it Pual Rude? <laughs> <laughs> it's just good. Like, fuck. I, I have a skin in the mispronouncing names game. Yeah. But I don't think people who are like, ah, I'm mispronouncing things is my jam, understand how transparently a microaggression mispronouncing names is. Um, yeah. Uh, that was a bit unfun and serious. But yeah, like, it's the, like, the theatrical cut of David Lynch's cut of Denise Villeneuve's June is not a good film, but it is not a bad film. And this the longer cut of that cut of Denise film is bad yes. and it it is boring and it manages to make so many bizarre decisions as we kind of talked about it like like, like how can it just feels like it it, it, it cuts out the shirtless sting scene for no reason well, and it just really seems like i cannot think of a greater case of where adding is subtracting yeah i i love long movies that's yeah. all i want to do is watch real long movies like i don't even care if it makes sense a lot of the time like i i yeah. i've been 14 hours watching the floor that movie is nonsense yeah there, 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 there is a there is a four and a half hour long section of the floor 
about a, a filmmaker who's tired of making a movie, so he just wants to film trees forever. And then it turns out the actresses in his movie are actually witches, and they curse him, and then, uh, uh, then, uh, then he maybe dies or maybe turns into uh, someone who thinks he's a Greek god, and then there is a long section about Cyrano de Bergerac, yeah, uh, at a at a uh, an old folks home where everyone thinks that they're different Greek gods. But so much of the like the allure of cinema, at least in a way, is is safe escapism is a is a yeah. portal out of the world for a moment, and in a way, uh, or and and that portal can be a mirror. Mirrors are portals uh, that can reflect on you as a person or the world, and like that, that's still great. Like. Uh, uh, escapism takes many forms but the thing that breaks the movies the most for me is when i feel when i feel the bits of the world i like the least interfering with the film and those Mm. are like those are so often the things that 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 i hate about myself like I, i remember did you keep it in did you keep my guardians of the galaxy thing in? i i i, I think so yeah, yeah. but i was like, i really i saw i saw another film recently that has that lazy oh, we're just going to, the villains will just explain themselves at this point plotting. Yep. And I realized that what bothers me about it isn't that it makes the film bad. It is that it reminds me that through this portal, there are still people who are as lazy as I am. And and, there, and the thing about the three-hour Alan Smithy TV cut of David Lynch's 1984 cut of Denise Villeneuve's 2021 masterpiece June soon to be called June part one um or volume one maybe they'll do yeah because they can't because children of June is the second book eh? and they're only it doesn't so like uh, uh, after after the first book all all, all of the like all all the like times become so interchangeable Um, uh, oh no, it's June Messiah, then Children of uh, June. I, I think, and, and then and then God King of June. And, and it's uh, and I'm getting confused because the sci-fi miniseries sequel adapted Duke Mes- June Messiah and Children of June, but called them Children of June. Right. Called it collectively Children of June because June Messiah is short. Mm. Um, but what it the thing that takes me out of it that breaks the illusion of the film that 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 stops it being a portal or escape and the way that lawrence of arabia was yeah is that all i can feel all the human impulses i hate about myself in the hands of the people making it i can feel how nervous the people crafting this cut were about their innate weirdness and about having to over explain themselves yeah and not sitting in pride of the things that make you them unique but explaining and mapping out the contour and it and I just, it's not just bad, it's depressing mm. in a way that like, the thing like, the reason no one will see David Lynch says, I think, I, this is possibly entirely invented, but I have a memory of this, like in an interview, he's like, the reason no one will see the cut of Mulholland Drive where it is a TV pilot is that it, it is no good. Right, yeah. And, it, and it's kind of like, right, and it, so it does, it sucks to see a cut of his cut of Denise's film that that is like worse and it's like it hurt like it just it's just kind of saps my spirit yeah so and and like the plot is the plot there's a guy paul atreides people are sent to kill him because he's next 
god king he takes some drugs fights some people rides a worm uh and takes out some shits yeah he, he stab stabs sting sting dies well no first very importantly sting makes clear what he's going to do oh, by I saying see, oh, yeah. i will kill him i will kill him i will kill him <laughs> i will kill him <laughs> uh and roxanne i will kill him we are two for two on so um Oh, the worm shit that looks dope. The, yeah, it's cool. Like, worms. There's, like again, the aesthetic of this film is this cut of the film is yeah. good, but it's better in the theatrical cut of David Lynch's cut of Denise. Absolutely. Um, so I would say that if I had to break it down, I would call it out of shite or sound. I would call it shite. Uh, I I would call it the exact same. Yeah. Even even Everett McGill. Big Big Ed himself being in this can't can't save it for me. Um, even even Max von Sydow being in this doesn't yeah. save it. Like there, there's so many good people in this. There's fucking Patrick Stewart. Yeah. There's, there's Sean Young. Yeah. There's Kyle Glockler. There's Kyle McLaughlin. Like and almost everyone, uh, Linda Hunt. Um, yeah. And like almost everyone whose names don't come to mind are like dope British stage actors who are like the best villain in a season of Blake Seven. Yeah. Jürgen Prochnow's in this. One of, one of the great names in cinema. David Lynch is in this. David, yeah, David Lynch is in this as 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 a like uh, as a spice harvester operator for like five seconds. Yeah. Um. But the thing I want to stress is that uh, this is, I think, the only case of a uh, of a film where I would call Nah Brazil as well. But like two different cuts, admittedly, and soon we'll see the third cut. Um. Uh. uh no, the fourth cut because the miniseries oh that has two cuts so the fifth cut right. Denise is the fifth final cut um uh, uh where I would call the theatrical cut of David's cut of Denise film sound yeah in this one shot it's like it's we're on that magnitude of an issue it's not they didn't make a bad film worse they made a good film bad yeah uh, yes uh so what are we watching next week Finn Next week we are doing Orson Welles, The Magnificent Ambersons. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the film was famously taken away from Orson Welles uh, because uh, he was a crazy person who liked to make uh, good movies. And yep. he said, "No, we don't do that here." And they they, uh, they, 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 they like sent him to South America and re-edited the film and burned all the footage that they didn't want while he was in South America and then released the film. And then he came back and was like, "What the fuck is <laughs> what have you done? You fucking pieces of shit!" Uh, uh, and uh, with that, we are watching a new release a film. New- we are dipping our toes into we're gonna be so fucking topical we you're, are you're not gonna believe how topical we are we are watching a film we're gonna be like sunscreens how topical we are but one week after its wide release we will be bringing you our hottest steamingest takes our steamed hams takes that's right on david finch's mank get curious because we're gonna drag on and form a fight club of alien threes around Mank. It's called Alien Cubed, but sure. I mean, it's just not worth, like, Alien 3 is just not worth having a discussion. Eh, it's fun. I like Alien 3. I, but... oh, I, I've, I've, I've only seen the, the longer cards. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I like it because it has Paul McGann in it. Yeah. And, and 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 Charles Dance and Scorny Weaver, yeah, and old Henrik's, yeah, and um, but also like I like it, like I like Alien Three, possibly the most of anything, knowing it's bad. I watch right, yeah. it like as a nerd, 
knowing it's bad. Um, but yeah, look forward to that next week. Uh, you can find me on social media uh, at YouthaLives, just as the handle. That's U T H E R L I V. E-S, or sign up for my newsletter, The Dean's List, at bit.ly. Is that, that going to start coming out again? Slash Youth Lives, uh, fingers crossed. Great. Um, and you, you, uh, uh, you, you can find the show on Twitter at, uh, uh, at ShiteSoundPod, and you can email us at uh, ShiteSoundPod at gmail.com. Check out our website Check out our at website. ShiteAndSound.com. And if you like podcasts that involve me, which if you do, let me know. And if you don't uh, lie, um, <laughs> Check out The Witching Hours at uh, thewitchinghours.com. That's T-H-E-W-I-T-C-H-I-N-G-H-O-U-R-S dot C-O-M for Motherbox. Uh, <laughs> That's um, your favourite joke. Uh, just, um, I think it's in the spirit of Jack Kirby. Um, our theme song is The Nux by Kazam Blam. Uh, check out the album Trapezoids Away on Bandcamp. Movies are good. Even bad ones. Go, Go watch them. No, it's like movies are debugged. No, no, no. Brian just said it yep, sounded like I'm... I was trying to be Jar Jar Banks. Okay, so movies are deep. Little <laughs> <Usle> bad ones. <laughs> go, 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 Mwadam. <laughs> no, I just want to say, Brian, how dare you say that Misa. <laughs> oh, fuck you, I was going to just about to do that joke. <laughs> Speak like Jasmine. Misa! <laughs> You and Bob in trouble. <laughs> that's the boss. That's Boss Nass. Boss Nass, yeah. Of course. Uh, one of the great dudes in cinema, Boss Nass. 